The Social Dynamics of Leading Up. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Tina Nugent. Tina is the president of SI Events. SI stands for Social Impact, and Tina brings into this work her experience from the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. On the public side, she worked in the mayor's office in the city of Orlando. And then on the private sector side, she worked for the NBA's Orlando Magic. She since has turned her attention to the nonprofit sector, working for and alongside nonprofits at the grassroots community level. And Tina, what a delight to have you with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Delighted to be here, Bill. Thanks for having me. Tina and I had the opportunity to meet at the AFP Icon Conference in New Orleans in 2023. I was teaching the Fundraising Schools curriculum on leading up because the fundraiser rarely has the top seat in the organization unless they're also the CEO of a very small organization. Tina, what have you observed? What thoughts do you have as fundraisers are trying to lead up, whether it be to the chief development officer, to the CEO, to the board? What can you share with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I believe that as a fundraiser, we're there to assist the organization to reach their top goal. So being able to share our knowledge and being bold enough to share our knowledge to help the organization move the needle is super important. And there's just so many ways that we can do that and still stand our ground knowing that we are knowledge experts in that field and in that career. And that word expertise comes to play from the research-based curriculum of the fundraising school and our certificate in fundraising leadership that when people think of the word power, they think about hard power, that I have reward. I can decide who to hire, who to give a raise to. Uh, I can have coercive power. I can decide who doesn't receive as large of a raise or I can terminate employment. And there's also something called legitimate power. Somebody has the title and at the end of the day, they just have to be able to make the decision and people know that to be the case. And then folks say, well, if I don't have hard power, I don't have power. Well, what the research says is we have expert, and that's what Tina just mentioned here. We also have information power and reference power. We have expertise as fundraisers that others in the nonprofit organization don't have. We have information about donors and about latest trends in charitable giving and other information that others in the organization don't have. And what referent mentions is that people can refer to us as team players. We've earned the right to recommend, to constructively disagree. And as we've taught this curriculum, and Tina, this happened again at AFP Icon beautifully, is that people from underrepresented communities and or women will say, boy, that sounds great, but there are additional challenges for me. What have you seen in your career that uh, fundraisers who are Black or Hispanic, Asian, Indigenous, women, the challenges that they might face in trying to lead up as fundraisers throughout the rest of the organization? Well, I always like to give the quote of what my mom always tells me is men lie, women lie, but facts and stats don't lie. If you feel like you're in a position where you're not being heard and you know the information, you know the stats, fundraisers are on both levels. They see the things going on on the ground and they also see and understand things from the CEO and higher level upscale. Not saying that they're trying to be, but they see and understand that as well. So for me, when I run into those issues, I always try to figure out what stats can I bring to the table? What information can I share with the organization to show them that, hey, you may not agree, but the stats say this is the best option to do. And usually once I do it that way, it's really hard. It's not no longer about me as an individual, but what is best for the organization? So people lie, but facts don't lie. And so find your facts. 
Tina, what have you encountered in trying to lead up with facts? Have you ever faced challenges in that regard? And when you have, what have you done to try to alleviate that situation? Yeah, absolutely. I constantly do face challenges as being a Black woman in the fundraising space, also being perceived as being too young to understand our no fundraising. So the challenges that I face is, well, they don't like my idea or they think my idea is, is not really sought after or thought through. So a lot of times what I end up doing is providing three options for my clients. The first option talks about what is their idea. I do a SWOT analysis on their idea and the expectations based off stats and statistics of what is able to be done. What can they expect from this? The second option is meeting them right in the middle their idea and a little bit of my idea where I do give them another SWOT analysis and then an expectation of what they can expect if they lean a little bit out of their comfort zone. And then the third idea is complete me of my idea where I give them a SWOT analysis on that idea and then an expectation of what they can expect with staff to back up on the idea. Usually we meet right in the middle, but I love giving these opportunities because it's like, hey, this is what I can expect. These are my strengths and weaknesses going out there. And what I love the most is that they look at the opportunities and threats. So when they see it happening on the horizon, they understand that this was to be expected. And it lays the foundation for more relaxation and more tougher conversations in an easier way. So as you work with nonprofit organizations, including the fundraisers, you encourage them to kind of look at these three pathways, these three scenarios. And by the way, scenario planning is an essential skill in leadership because we don't know the exact future. We have to prepare for many different types of futures. Tina, as you're working with these nonprofit folks, are, are the ideas something that always existed or are they revelations? Like folks are surprised, like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. What, what do you see during this time of idea generation that you're encouraging fundraisers and other nonprofit leaders to go through? Yeah, a lot of times when I first start with them, I want to hear their thoughts, their ideas. What do they believe will work? And then I try to push the button a little of thinking outside the box. You know, a lot of times our executive directors or our CEOs are usually middle-aged. So there are certain things that they may not, are facets they may not look at, are certain statistics or new information that come up because they have such a vast, large amount of experience in the field that, you know, if it hasn't broken, why, if it's not broken, why change it? You know, so we also want to come out with an opportunity to push them to new ideas, new things that we find, how to reach new generations that they maybe never thought of. So it's always fun and exciting to hear their perceptions and their thoughts of, I never thought about it before. Or, Give me a minute. Let me digest that a little bit. But actually having the information there, showing examples of other organizations that did the same thing, maybe in different states or different continents, and it worked out amazing for them. And I think that gives an opportunity to start thinking and stirring in their mind, like, I can see this working for my organization. So I absolutely love when those opportunities occur. We talked about the importance of gathering facts and the, the so-called soft power of having expertise and information that comes from a place of being a respected member of the team. And that's when we're advocating for our idea, for our recommendation, explaining why we disagree with the constructive criticism. But Tina, as, as you also do this and as you work alongside nonprofit organizations, do you also prepare them? And if so, how do you prepare them? for when the leader might disagree or might not even be listening all that well or might be offering objections? How do you uh, help your folks prepare for the negative consequences that could occur in this conversation? Well, I have to admit that I've experienced that more than I would like to, but we, you know, we just don't agree and they believe that their terms are the best. 
oftentimes we go back to those three options and let them know that, hey, you get the last say. We want to make sure that they understand that they have to be comfortable. The buy-in of the whole organization is super important. You don't want to move an idea forward and there's misconfusion. Some people like it, some people don't. So if we don't have the buy-in for the team, as long as they understand the expectations and they understand the opportunities and threats from the SWOT analysis of what can occur going down this route and what options. And a lot of times too, I put percentages. So for example, if an organization says, hey, we only want corporate and foundations, you're only looking at 27% of giving and you're missing out on the 60 or more percent just from individual donors. So by giving them the opportunity to see the pros and cons of it, usually I get a little bit of my option in there and a little bit of my ideas put in there. But when I don't, I understand. As long as they understand the expectations moving forward, I'm gladly able to tell the team that, hey, this is how we're going to move forward. And we understand the hurdles that we're going to face, but we're going to do the best that we can. So gather your facts and information, lean into your expertise, earn that right to be heard as a good team player, prepare different scenarios, different options as you lead up with recommendations to those uh, to whom you report. And, And Tina, if I could just ask you to summarize then again with this final point around social dynamics, Uh, With so many fundraisers who are women, uh, and we continue to endeavor for greater racial diversity in the fundraising profession, uh, but it was just so interesting at that AFP session um, how the the participants just really took over. And so many came to the microphone and voiced their frustrations as women or somebody who's a Black woman, Hispanic woman, and who said, I just have this difficulty leading up whether my boss is white, my boss is male, my boss is older than me. How would you summarize your advice to people who find themselves in that position as they're trying to lead up in the organization? I want to first acknowledge that these are real things that are happening and it happens every single day. And these are things that we can't change. But one thing that we are able to do is bring facts to the table and having that standpoint of saying, I'm going to allow you to go this route, but understand what can what is at jeopardy at this route? Are we losing funding going this route? And what stats can you bring to the table? It does take more work and it's hard to be in the space of feeling like I have to go above and beyond to prove who I am. And you know what? I hate that that's the truth. I hate that that happens, but we have to move past that and understand if we're going to get the job done, if making this organization reach their goals, we're going to have to push through it. Let them know that not only are we a fundraiser, but we are expert in the field. And we're going to give you all the right information you need, whether you take it or not. Because what I find also is if they don't take it and it ends up going exactly how you say, you're building that respect up of knowing, hey, I presented this to you. This is all that I can do. And then I know I heard one lady state that she provides information to her colleague who's a male to go ahead and present that idea. I don't think in any case should you lower your voice for someone else to go above you. You should always come with the stats, with what you know and your expertise and stand on it. And truly, as I can see, say time and time again, having those SWAL analysis, having those expectations, They understand the pathway that's going to be taken. Now, sometimes it's in their favor and sometimes it doesn't, but they appreciate the work that you put into making the organization better. Thoughtful guidance from Tina Nugent, president of SI Events. And uh, inherent in that wonderful guidance is the evident overlap between fundraising and leadership. We really inform and advise people to fundraise with confidence. Well, you need to lead with confidence and you need to lead up with confidence, even in these situations with difficult 
social dynamics. And this is what we teach in the four courses that lead up to this certificate in fundraising leadership, which is separate from our certificate in fundraising management. Both of those are available with two other certificates that are available as well from the fundraising school and our 22 public courses that are available in person or online. We also have custom training. We can bring training directly to you, your nonprofit, your association, your region in the United States, anywhere around the world in person and online. We have our quarterly webinars and of course these free podcasts and the knowledge is gathered in our textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, all available on our website at philanthropy.iui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. I'm grateful for our guests this week, Tina Nugent. Our producers are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm-hmm.